0: I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. I'm joined this week by Molly Dupree, lab assistant for Charles River's Reno site. Earlier this year, Molly was diagnosed with Neiman-Pick type B acid sphingomyelinase deficiency, a rare disease that usually presents in children. In Molly's case, diagnosis was delayed until she was 21. She's here to discuss her career, her diagnosis experience, and the promising treatment that she is now receiving. Welcome, Molly.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much for
0: reaching out. I'm excited to tell your story and, and share your thoughts. But I'd love to start with your background. How did you come to work for Charles River?
1: Awesome. Well, I actually, before I was working at CRL, I was working as a pharmacy technician for a local pharmacy. So I had a lot of patients um, from the CRL Reno site who would actually be... (laughs) Uh, My patients at the pharmacy and they would always just talk about how great it was to work there. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I was looking for a new job, I actually applied here, uh, got interviewed shortly thereafter and then was hired. So,
0: What kind of educational training had you had for your original pharmacy position?
1: Uh, So it was actually on the job training um, for that specific company. Um, So you got certified while working there so that's great
0: yeah Uh, so what does your current job of lab assistant entail
1: so specifically we deal with a lot of data accuracy verification and integrity Mm -hmm. as lab assistants Mm -hmm. Um, our main priority is labeling tubes for multiple departments um, such as like necropsy surgery tech ops Mm Um, as well as just overall support for our labs in the clinical pathology department, basically as a support position.
0: It sounds like you probably have to memorize a lot of rules and regulation regarding handling (laughs) and data labeling and all that sort of thing. So would you say you're pretty detail-oriented?
1: Yes, I try to (laughs) as much as I can be. I also have ADHD, so I'm a little Uh, nazzy, but yes, I try to.
0: <laughs> well, sometimes it can help to have like those rules in place because then it's like a checklist you have to follow.
1: Exactly. And I
0: I know from me personally, it helps me not forget something if I have a list to follow and check things off of. So yeah,
1: all those little tools and tips to keep you running smoothly. You know <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. And well, and you live in Reno, uh so but like to outsiders, Reno is kind of on that same level as like Las Vegas and Atlantic City. It's like a vacation place where you go party. But what is it like to actually live there?
1: Yeah, so it's not called the biggest little city for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so um, since I've like grown up here, um, Reno has actually grown a lot um it used to be a lot smaller but it still does not have a lot of the same resources and opportunities I've noticed as a lot of mm-hmm. more of the bigger cities but what I do enjoy most about our area is the nature all of the beautiful trails mountains mm-hmm. the wildlife are super vast um and beautiful so I love to spend most of my weekends going on walks you know collecting like seashells rocks leaves so nice yeah
0: I was I was out west once and there was a I don't actually remember where I was but we came to some sort of lake and I picked up a handful of sand and all of the sand was made of like tiny little looked like seashells yes. but we were really far from the ocean is that the kind of stuff you've got out there?
1: Oh yeah. And then we also have like the little clam shells too. There's, there's cool. a lot of like stuff you wouldn't expect to find in Nevada, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So getting into your diagnosis, when did you first suspect that something was up?
1: So the first like point where I truly started suspecting something was when I actually gave birth to my son Mm-hmm. During that, I had coated and hemorrhaged, and there was no explanation as to why. Followed thereon was constant chronic infections, like ear infections, getting strep, you know, getting the flu, um, even E. coli, just a lot of different things, as well as constant body pain um, in multiple parts of the body as well as major medical episodes like sepsis, and then lots of abnormal imaging and lab results as well that all just kind of concluded that something was not quite right. Oh,
0: man, that must have been so scary. I mean, on top of the the stress of being a new mom, having all this stuff happen all at once, I can't even imagine.
1: Exactly.
0: So what were your experiences in the early stages of trying to get a diagnosis?
1: It was really isolating and difficult trying to get any straight answers from anybody. I had multiple hospital admissions. I went to multiple different specialties, um, as well as different doctors within the same specialty that would somehow tell me within the same visit that I was both high risk for morbidity and mortality. So if you are not familiar with those terms, basically how the doctors explained it to me was mortality means that I had a higher risk of death. And then morbidity meant that I had a high risk um, for a serious disease, which at the time they thought could have been a certain type of cancer
0: So it sounds kind of like they thought you might actually have cancer. I mean, that would be not surprising, you know, given that cancer is a much more common diagnosis than what you eventually ended up with. But, like, what kind of symptoms were they equating to that diagnosis?
1: So what really made them start looking into cancer and oncology um, was Mm -hmm. I actually got admitted for sepsis. I had a septic episode where they cannot find the source of infection. And in that same admission, they also found um, that I had a lot of abnormal organs. And what, what I mean by that is like my liver and spleen, they were both enlarged, um, which at first they misdiagnosed me with fatty liver disease because they thought it was fat deposits, but it turned out that my liver was actually just enlarged. And then um, they found out that my stomach was paralyzed and that I had very, like, weak bones, like osteoporosis. So just a lot of things that at first they thought could either be, um, like, a certain type of leukemia, a lot of mm-hmm. the um, results were adding up with, and then as well as, a, like, a certain type of rare, like, bone cancer as well. So when you're
0: thinking back over, you know, how, how you felt your whole life, were there any symptoms that in hindsight were clues along the way? Because things like enlarged liver, large spleen, you might not have felt those. But were there any other things that you did feel that in hindsight you're like, oh, yeah, this might have been part of it?
1: Looking back now, um, one thing that really sticks out to me was as a kid. I suffered from a lot of ear infections that were so bad to the point that I suffered from permanent hearing loss and I actually started needing to wear hearing aids from the age of 11 was when I got my first pair. That I Well, to me, that was always normal as a kid. But looking back now and seeing um, that, you know, that definitely could have been from this disease or, you know, could have been impacted by this disease. So, Stuff yeah. like that, you know, just unexplained things or stuff that I was like, oh, you know, like, it's just normal for me. And then looking back now, I'm like, oh, you know, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when you finally got some answers, how did that make you feel?
1: Oh, it was like, a breath of fresh air knowing that I was just right to keep advocating for myself and believing, even though, you know, in my head and certain doctors were telling me, you know, you're crazy or, you know, like, it's all in your head or, you know, there's nothing wrong with you or, oh, there's something wrong, but it's it's nothing, you know, it's just like your asthma acting up or something, Um, so it was... Yeah amazing to know that while there there isn't much information, like when I got diagnosed, I knew that there was hope, you know, I had some answers, if not all of them.
0: Yeah, you talk about feeling dismissed. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of wonderful doctors out there. But as studies have shown, there are a lot of physicians who don't listen to women when they say things and especially younger women. There's been a lot written on this subject already. Feel free to Google. But did you kind of feel like that might have been part of it?
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely feel that my age and my gender had a big role in the delayed diagnosis, as well as I feel like another big part of it is the lack of like general education. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, like because I feel like general health education is like washing your hands, keeping yourself safe, keeping others Mm -hmm. safe, but not how do you advocate for yourself? You know, what do certain test results mean? What do you need to keep track of? You know, what do certain genetic like changes have on certain people? And yeah,
0: that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that before because. I have this rant that my friends are sick of, of talking about how schools should really do some more home economics type courses. And I mean, like balancing checkbooks, (laughs) comparing insurance companies, like all those basic things that, you know, sometimes your parents have time to teach you and sometimes they don't. But advocating for yourself to your doctor and having a sort of at least general layman's understanding of what symptoms could mean.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right.
0: That would be an excellent thing to include in classes like that.
1: Exactly. Especially with the epidemic of like, you know, mm-hmm. doctors versus patients like WebMD or, you know, mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. Google or using the Internet as support for medical advice, you know. So, that, yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, speaking of general education, can you tell us what <laughs> is Neiman Pick Type B? And what does it mean for you?
1: Alrighty. Well, Neiman-Pick type B is specifically a type of genetic disease that causes a buildup of lipids in certain types of cells and organs, some of those being your blood, spleen, brain, liver, bone marrow, heart, lungs, and stomach. As I have not yet seen a specialist who can give me my full prognosis, I cannot say the full extent this disease has had on me at this time, but from the information my doctors have currently collected, they know that my lungs, heart, liver, stomach, spleen, <laughs> basically all of them have been very greatly impacted already. Mm. And, and what does
0: that mean for your general health and the sort of things that you need to take care of going forward?
1: It has impacted me a lot. That means I require a lot more testing um, and imaging than normal, mm-hmm. as well as more maintenance medications, blood work, more time off work, more time away from my son, more limitations mm-hmm. on my health, like weight restrictions, you know, uh, there's a lot that <laughs> impacts me.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned a treatment, and I know that I, I believe you said it was Lauren Black who helped set you up with a promising treatment. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, yes. So uh, Lauren Black, I was connected with through my supervisor at work, actually. And once I got connected with Lauren, she started recommending looking into certain specialty hospitals that had programs for diseases like mine so I could get connected with a specialist in my disease uh, during this process, I was connected to a local rheumatologist here in the northern Nevada area, who agreed to start me on the treatment locally until I'm able to see my specialists in New York and Vegas. So, oh, okay, yeah,
0: oh, there's there's one in Vegas though. That's good.
1: Yeah, there's one at Cure for the Kids Foundation, and then one at Mount Sinai in New York. So. I will be seeing both of those once a year.
0: That makes sense since it is usually a childhood disease. Yep. So how is your treatment going? How do you feel now?
1: <laughs> well, I I would say it's a very, you know, it's a silver lining for sure. It has mm-hmm. a lot of benefits and cons, but I wouldn't want to exactly put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously the symptoms are no fun to enter, and while this is not a be-it-all, cure-it-all, I feel that this will be worthwhile, you know, no matter how little, you know, the impact is, it's it's hope, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, even though it hasn't been fun, it's the motivation, you know, keeps me going.
0: Absolutely. And I think Charles River did some of the early testing on the treatment that you're now using. So how does it feel to work for a company that has sort of indirectly helped with this?
1: Yeah, no, it it really made me just take a second for sure to really realize not only how big the medical field actually is, you know, Mm-hmm. but as well as how important every aspect of drug development is of every part of healthcare individually together um it is so important you know
0: yeah yeah and so what would you offer as advice to patients who are seeking a diagnosis for their own mysterious symptoms or to patients who have gotten news like you just got
1: So I would recommend if you're struggling to get a diagnosis, the best advice I have for you is to not give up. It is very hard to cave in to our negative thoughts of ourselves, our anxieties, insecurities, especially when healthcare professionals, like you mentioned earlier, that you are supposed to trust to listen to your symptoms and also accurately diagnose you. It can be very disheartening when you are not taken seriously. So, but if you have received a diagnosis similar to mine or with a similar severity, my best advice for that, as cheesy as it is, is to enjoy the little things. You know, because mm-hmm. it it really shows you how much you know you cannot control in life but how much you know you can appreciate with it so you might not have been dealt the best cards but you can make them pretty you know you can do your best so
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good way to think about it
1: yeah <laughs> in other
0: news how's, how's your son doing <laughs>
1: Oh, gosh, he's doing amazing. Um, he yeah. The only, like, thing he's struggling with is asthma, but he's doing a lot better with that now, being on an inhaler. But, yeah, besides that, he's just happy-go-lucky. He is always so curious to, like, learn about all my medical stuff. Like, he always <laughs> comes to all my appointments. The phlebotomists are the vampires. Um, <laughs> the surgeons are the zombies, you know? Like, he's... Uh, amazing.
0: (laughs) That's too cute. All right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me, Molly, and sharing your story. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me.